Thanks very much. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, yeah. I was just, it's better follow that with this morning. I'm going to. I need to keep on remembering. This afternoon, we're going to carry on having a look at really kind of what we've been looking at the last few weeks, which is the the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer starts off with the line, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And it kind of finishes up as well with um, with another statement, which I'll just read out as well. It's kind of, it's debatable as to whether or not this last statement's in there because it's kind of in some manuscripts and not in others. But it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So when we're looking at the kingdom coming, when we're looking at this whole area, then one of the things I think that that talks about is the fact that God is a God who heals, just as Fran has been talking about and sharing with us today as well. I want to start off with a little story. You can't really see the picture there, but it's a guy squeezing a lemon. Lemon squeezing hasn't quite become an Olympic sport yet, but I'm sure it might make it one day. I heard a story once about a Swedish strongman. I don't know if you like me, you saw the, the programs when you were young of the world's strongest man, when they used to do all these different things like tossing cabers and picking up big stones and putting them different places. And it always used to be burly Scandinavians that won these world's strongest man competitions. So one time there was this Swedish strongman who was on the streets of Gothenburg and he had basically squeezed this lemon dry. And he was challenging people to come up and try and get some more juice from the lemon. And people were coming up and they were giving it their best shot and they were getting absolutely nothing. And he promised anyone that if they could get another drop of juice from this lemon, then he would give them the equivalent of £100, the Swedish equivalent, whatever that is. So eventually this little guy, who wasn't very strong, he came up and he started squeezing this lemon. And most people gave up after a couple of minutes, but this guy carried on and carried on and carried on until eventually he got this one little drop to come out the lemon. And the guy who was with the strongman, who was kind of organizing the whole show, he, he was amazed. He said, what made you carry on trying and trying and trying. And the guy said, well, I'm a charismatic pastor. There's always more. <laughs> when, you, when we were in the mid-90s, we used to pray that the whole time. The Toronto blessing had come, and there was God was coming and, and doing more and more and more. And we always used to pray that prayer, more, Lord, more. And we used to believe. And we sang, more recently, we sang that song, There Must Be More Than This. But I wonder sometimes... Have we almost taken a step back a little bit? Have we kind of settled with what we've got now? Or do we still have that same expectation? Do we still have that same belief that God has got more to do? So when we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, when we're praying this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus instructed us to pray. One of the things, as I say, that I think this refers to is the whole area of healing. I'm going to have a look at a couple of different things today. I want to ask a couple of different questions and try and answer those questions. Why does God heal? That's the first thing I want to have a look at. And secondly, I want to have a look at why does God not heal, which is perhaps a more difficult question, but I want to have a look at some of the reasons why we don't see God healing more often. If you can turn to Matthew 4, we're going to have a look at a couple of verses from Matthew 4. 23 to 25. 
This is from the really the start of Jesus' ministry, so it's just before, actually, the section that we're looking at right now of the Lord's Prayer. And it starts off, Matthew 4, verse 23. So Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So here we see Jesus preaching about the kingdom, preaching the good news of the kingdom, but he doesn't just preach, he doesn't just use the words. As he does that, every time as he goes around, he heals the sick as well. When we think about heaven, when we think about what heaven's going to be like, then one of the things that the Bible tells us is that it will be a place where there is no more sickness. There is no pain, no suffering. So when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then one of the things is, surely, that there is an end to pain, an end to to sickness and suffering here. And that's really the pattern of, of Jesus' ministry. As he went around from place to place, he continually healed everyone who was sick. So why does God heal? The first question I want to look at today. I've got three reasons to come up with here. First of all, because he loves us. The Father heart of God. God loves us as his children. And therefore, he loves to heal us. It's not something we deserve. It's not something that we can earn, but it's a gift of God. It's a thing of grace. God loves each one of us so much that he sent his own son here to die for us. Again, something that we've looked at this afternoon already. He sent his son to die in our place, basically to take the punishment that each one of us deserved. Isaiah 53 talks all about this, about how he came here as a sacrifice for us. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus paid the price, basically. By his wounds we are healed today. God loves us that much that he was prepared to send his son Jesus here to die in our place. That's one of the reasons, I think, why God heals, because he loves us. And following on from that, linked into it really, is the fact that God is a compassionate God. Now we often think about these things like God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's compassion. We tend to think of these things as almost being New Testament things. So things that came about as Jesus came here to earth. But actually God is an unchanging God and he always was a compassionate and merciful God. So when we go right back to the Old Testament to the very start, when God passed before Moses, Exodus 34, verse 6, God described himself as the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God is a compassionate God. It's something that's similar to my first point, to the point about love, but it's also slightly different. So the the definition of, of compassion in the dictionary was basically a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, 
accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. And that's the big difference here, really. The compassion thing is basically the the empathy that God has for those who are in distress and the desire, therefore, to alleviate that suffering. God is a compassionate God who loves to help those who are in distress. Again, it's something we see throughout the Bible. So David, in the Old Testament, when he was in times of distress, he called out to the compassionate God. And God came and was faithful to him and was merciful to him. And as a result, David praised God. In Psalm 103, he uses the very term again that God is a compassionate God. And it's something, again, that Jesus had throughout his ministry. It's one of the reasons that he then healed so many people. He had compassion on them. Again, it's that very word that Matthew uses in chapter 20. Two blind men are basically calling out to Jesus and saying to him, come and have mercy on us, son of David. Now, Jesus is going somewhere at the time. He's in a crowd. He's got things to do. But he sees these guys suffering. He sees them in their time of distress. And it says he has compassion on them. He touches their eyes and immediately they receive their sight. The Bible exhorts us to call on God in times of need, just as these blind men called on Jesus in their time of need. Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, when he was here on earth, experienced absolutely everything that we can experience. He had all the temptation, he had all the suffering and more that we can ever experience ourselves. He's been through all that. He's able to fully empathize with whatever we're going through. And he is a God of compassion. So as we approach him, we can approach him with confidence, knowing that he is a God of love, a God of compassion, a God who knows exactly what we're going through, and a God who wants to basically help us in our time of distress. The last reason that I want to look at for why does God heal us is to glorify God. And again, this is a response that we see throughout the Bible. So in the very passage that we looked at, we saw that as Jesus began to heal these people, large crowds followed him. People flocked to Jesus because they saw the amazing things he was doing. They realized that he was someone special, the Son of God. In Acts as well, when we see the apostles going around and healing people, we see them walking and leaping and praising God. The result often of healings is for people to come to faith, for people to begin to praise God, for people to glorify him. Again, when I look at my own testimony, I shared last time about how God's provision had been one of the key reasons why I had basically become a Christian and come to faith for myself. I'd seen God provide miraculously, And therefore, I'd seen that God was real, that God was not just a story in the Bible, but he was someone who loved us and and worked in miraculous ways. And healing was another way that I'd seen that in my life as well. So when I was about 
11 years old. I think it's the first time when I really can remember seeing this in a mighty way. A guy called Ian Andrews came to the, the place where we were living at the time, and he led basically a couple of healing meetings. And in that, one of those meetings in particular really kind of sticks in my mind, because there's this lady who had one leg shorter than the other. So she had special shoes where there's a sole about that thick on one leg, and then the other one was a kind of normal sole. So Ian Andrews prayed for her, that she would be healed. And as he prayed, you could actually see her leg growing, which was something you saw right in front of your eyes as a 12-year-old. You can imagine kind of being just wide-mouthed at this. Jesus is a God who loves to, to heal because it brings glory to God. Again, I think it's something you see in Alpha courses as well today. You do that section on God healing today, and you see God come in power and healing people, and it just, again, brings a testimony to the fact that God is real, that God is not just a story. John the Baptist, while he was on earth, he began to question if Jesus was the one. He began to have these doubts because he'd been locked up in prison. And he sent his disciples to Jesus and to ask if he really was the one. Jesus' response to that was, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Miracles, the things Jesus did, were a very proof of the fact that he was the Son of God. And I still believe that that is the way today. When Jesus sent out the 72, he sent them out with the authority that he had. They didn't go out in their own strength, but he went out in the authority of Jesus. This whole thing of healing wasn't just supposed to be something that happened while Jesus was here on earth. But he was basically someone who gave us the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I'm off to the Father now. I'm going back to prepare a place for you. But I leave another with you who is just like me. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he basically said at that time that he was giving us the Holy Spirit so that we could go out with power also. We could go out with this authority that he gave to the 72 in his name. And again, that's what you see in Acts. All the way through Acts, you see the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles and then going out in power and seeing the gospel proclaimed. And as they proclaim the gospel, they see people healed. I believe it should be exactly the same today as well. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit is available today. And as we go out in God's name, he will heal. And I think there's a lot of examples, a lot of stories, as Fran said again, of that happening around the earth today. I think we can be excited at the things that God is beginning to do. One of the reasons he does this is to bring glory to God, to reveal who he is, basically, to bring praise to his name. So that's some of the reasons why God heals. I'm going to go on now and look at the second question. Why does God not heal? The first thing we have to consider in this is the fact that God is the sovereign God. He is a God who ultimately is in control. And it's not a, an easy thing to understand always. All of us, I think, will have examples of times that we've prayed fervently for someone and God hasn't healed and we can't understand why. And we can't understand why God has not come 
because we've heard these stories and we know that God loves us and we know that God's able to heal. So why hasn't he healed at that time? God is a sovereign God. He has an eternal perspective. And we can't always understand what he's doing at a particular time. But one thing we can hold on to is the fact that God works all things for the good of those who love him. My brother, Andy, he had an illness called NE, or it was NE at the time, I don't know if they call it chronic fatigue syndrome now or something else, but basically for about five years of his life, some of the prime time of his life, he was unable to do very much at all. He had to really kind of pace and plan what he did because he just was fatigued the whole time. At times he'd have to spend days in bed in a row. And through that time, he was prayed for hundreds of times and he had many words that he was going to be healed and that God was going to deliver him from this illness. But yet, it didn't happen for for a whole five years until suddenly God did come and God did release him from it. And it's so hard looking at that time, those five years, trying to understand why that's happening and why God allows that to happen for so long. But one thing... I can say, looking on at my brother, is that God has used that time for good, hard as it is, and almost it doesn't fully justify the whole fact that he went through that, but God has changed my brother so much through that time. He is now someone who is able to empathize with other people in a way he was never able to do before. God is using him in one of the roughest estates in Edinburgh to reach out to people who are in all sorts of distress and basically messed up lives in that area of Edinburgh and he's able to empathise with those people and speak into their lives and I believe that that time there was a time when, when God did some of that work in my brother we're living in a time right now where the kingdom of God has come so Jesus has basically won the battle but it's not fully come we're still waiting for Jesus to return we're still waiting for the time when we have our eternal perfect bodies and the question always or often comes up how much can we have right now so the kingdom of God has come but it's not fully here so how much can we have right now I love Simon Holly's response to this Simon Holly leads a church in Bedford called the King's Arms and they're seeing God work in amazing ways doing mighty miracles there right now on the streets outside hospitals and all sorts of things And Simon Hawley says to this question, how much can we have right now? I don't know. I've got no idea. But I'd much rather get to heaven and God say to me, you know, some of these things you were praying for, you were never going to see them until I returned. It wasn't actually possible for those things to work out. He'd much rather God say that to him than God saying, you could have had so much more. I'd paid the price already. I'd already defeated death. I'd already defeated sickness. You could have seen people healed of cancer. You could have seen the dead raised to life. We can't use God's sovereignty, I don't think, as as some kind of cop-out. I think too often we say, we kind of give up too easily and think, it's not God's will for me to be healed, therefore I'm not even going to kind of try to pray for it. I find it very interesting. I, when I was preparing for this, I was reading through again all the, the kind of Gospels and Jesus' different healings and his interactions with people. And nowhere in there did Jesus turn around to say some, and say to someone, I'm not willing to heal you. 
Whenever someone came to him and said, if you're willing, you can heal me, his response always was, I am willing, be clean, or whatever it was at the time. He always did heal them. There's no example in there of Jesus not healing someone. There's no example of that not being God's will. So we can't use it as a cop-out. We can't give up too easily. We can't predetermine that it's God's will for us not to be healed because it hasn't happened once. As I say with my brother, it took five years before he was eventually healed. But God is a sovereign God. And there are examples, for example, Peter had his thorn in his flesh, which we don't know exactly what that was. But whenever he prayed that it would be removed, God always said to him, my grace is sufficient. So God's grace is sufficient in our times of need. And God is a sovereign God who won't necessarily always heal. But we shouldn't give up and assume that's the case. I think a much more common reason why God doesn't heal is because we don't ask him. And this can be for a number of different reasons. First of all, I think it can be because we've been hurt in the past. In the past we've prayed and it's maybe not worked and God's not healed us and therefore we kind of give up on it a bit. I've talked about that a bit in the last bit section that I talked about there, but one more thing I would say about it is that with the whole area of sin and the whole area of trying to be kind of perfect, all of us kind of accept we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But it doesn't mean that we give up and just live a life however we want. We carry on trying by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue on this process of sanctification where we try and get kind of closer and closer to perfection, knowing that we're never going to make it. But sometimes with healing, we can almost kind of give up too easily. So we know this side of Jesus coming back, that we're not going to have these perfect bodies, but sometimes we can almost just accept and give up on it. I think it should be the same with sin, as it is with sin as well, that we should carry on pushing in, we should carry on asking, carry on expecting God to heal us, even if it hasn't always happened in the past. I think also sometimes we don't believe it for us. We can read these stories in the Bible and we can believe that God is a God who heals but we think it's maybe something that happens in Africa or something that happens in America or wherever else and it's hard to believe that God would do it for us specifically. I think if we're honest as well then all of us will kind of have a limit of where our faith is and even where our kind of faith would allow us to pray for people as well. So for example we might We might not have a list written down, but we might have a kind of list in our heads of things that we'd be happy to pray for. A hearty knee or a a pain in the back or a sore head. Those might be things that we're quite happy to pray for, whereas things like cancer or these creative miracles, well, that's a, a bit beyond me. I can't pray for that, can I? I think most of us probably have that that list somewhere. But God is a God without limits. God is a God who is all powerful. It spurs my faith to begin to hear these stories of things that God is doing elsewhere. Why can't he do them here in Solly Hill? Why can't he do them here amongst us? He's the same God here as he is there. I think there's a real grace in that as well. As we begin to see God move in the small things, then he begins to build up our faith levels and we can begin to kind of rip up those lists and expect to see the next challenge on those lists being knocked down. 
Another reason why we don't ask God, I think, sometimes is because we're almost too proud or too self-sufficient to ask God. The great philosophy, the philosopher Eeyore once said, I don't mind suffering in silence as long as everyone knows I'm suffering in silence. <laughs> I think we can be a bit like that in Britain. We don't want to kind of annoy people with our suffering. We have this stiff upper lip mentality. When we come into our meetings, we, we tell each other we're fine. But it shouldn't be that way. The Bible, as I said earlier, tells us to come to God with our problems. And he is a God who is a compassionate God and loves to heal those problems. I think in the West, again, we can be very quick, not only to be this kind of self-sufficient, but to almost trust on pills and doctors and things like that to basically perform the medical duties for us. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. God can obviously use doctors. He can obviously use pills to, to heal people. But I think I've seen a greater hunger in other countries than we have here in the West. So with my last work, I used to travel a lot to India. I used to go out there once every five weeks or so and spent about 10 days there at a time and then came back. And a few times, Hannah came with me as well. And I basically heard of this church that met. We went to a city called Pune, which is, probably none of you have heard of it. It's about eighth or ninth biggest city in India, so it's got about four million people. So it's probably twice, two, three times the size of this kind of greater Birmingham area, if you like. And uh, there was this meeting that we heard about on a Saturday night where basically eight or 9,000 people would come along and it was a healing meeting. And we thought we'd got to go and see this and see what it's like. So we went along to it and it was, yeah, kind of strange to be honest <laughs> because everyone was just kind of sat there and then there was some singing but no one was really singing and then there was this guy preaching and he was kind of saying some stuff which I didn't really agree with and didn't seem that theologically sound and we kind of sat there thinking what are we doing here and everyone's just kind of sat there and then it got to the end and he basically said right now we're going to pray for people and uh, the presence of God just dropped like I've never kind of experienced before this real kind of tangible sense of God's spirit all of a sudden out of nowhere and these people all got to their feet and they rushed forward. And these were people who were basically, they weren't, they weren't Christians. These were people from the poorest of the poor areas of this Indian city. And they had no money to rely on pills or doctors or anything like that. So they'd basically heard that this is where you come to be healed. And they had such a hunger and such a, a desire. And they basically, they rushed forward in this spirit. The presence of God just came down upon these people. And there were people being kind of, falling over in the power of the Spirit in amongst this almost like a football crowd of people. or It's more like a, a gig, a concert kind of thing where there's just all these people cramming forward and the stewards were basically running in and grabbing them out and lying them out in the stage somewhere. And it was, it was chaos. But the thing that kind of struck us just was, was, first of all, the grace of God that it doesn't matter. Kind of We almost want things to be exactly right and be kind of exactly as they should be. But none of that matters to God. God came in his grace and power anyway because they had such faith, because they had such expectancy. He came and he was doing a mighty work there and he basically was bringing this glory to his name. He was revealing himself to these people who 
didn't have any faith at all. They had a hunger, and therefore they, they asked God to heal them. James 4, verse 2, it says, You do not have because you do not ask God. And I think that's such a, a common reason for us why we don't see God heal more often. For whatever reason that I've looked at, we don't ask him. God wants us to come to him. He loves it when we have faith. So again, when you look through the stories of the the New Testament, when you see the paralytic man being lowered through the roof into the crowd, when you see the bleeding woman who reached out to touch Jesus, when you see the centurion who ran after him and called upon him to heal, Jesus loved that. He loved that faith. And he responded every time. The next reason is kind of again linked into this and I've touched upon it, but the next reason we don't see God heal more often is because of a lack of faith. Now one thing just to be clear about here, again when you read through Jesus' different stories, he never ever blames someone for their own lack of faith, so someone who wants to be healed. There is one occasion where the disciples are praying for someone and that guy isn't healed. And the disciples ask him, why was he not healed? Jesus doesn't blame the guy's lack of faith. Instead, he says it's because of the disciples' lack of faith. And I think that's a really important lesson. We should never, ever turn around and say to someone that they've not been healed because of their lack of faith. It's it's almost toxic stuff. It's happened in the past and it shouldn't ever happen, I don't think. But there is the example there of where someone wasn't healed because of a lack of faith. And again, Jesus talks about his hometown of Nazareth and he talks about how he was unable to do many miracles there because of a lack of faith in that place. So lack of faith just restricts how much God can do. Again, I think that's maybe partly the reason why we don't see more things happening in Britain at times as opposed to, say, Africa. I think in Africa they're much more open to spiritual things on the whole. There's much less cynicism there than there is in our country. I think there is a a lack of faith in general in this country. But again, God is breaking through that and God is a graceful God who can basically come in power as he sees fit. Last one again, I just want to quickly look at this one. Unrepentant sin. So basically, if we look at where sickness came into the world, it came into the world through sin in the first place. It came in at the fall. Before that point, Jesus had created this perfect world. There was no sickness. And again, I want to make it clear that Jesus has paid the price for all our sins. He has basically died and rose again so that forgiveness is available to all of us. But sin does never has to be the result of on um, of God not healing. It doesn't have to be a blockage at all because God has paid the price for each one of us. Jews, the Jews used to hold this view that each illness resulted from a specific sin. So in John 9, we see them coming to, to Jesus. Jesus had healed this blind man and they basically come to Jesus and say, whose sin was responsible for this illness? Was it the man's sin or was, was it his parents because he'd been born blind? And Jesus' response to that was neither. The man was blind 
that the works of God might be displayed in him. So again, he was blind so that God's name may be glorified as he was basically healed. So he broke that kind of myth that they had that every illness was a result of a specific sin. That's not the case. But yet on another occasion, when the paralytic was lowered through the roof, Jesus starts off by saying to him, your sins are forgiven. So he starts from this point of forgiveness, of getting rid of his sins, and then he's able to heal the guy, and he's able to walk again. Holding on to sin can be a blockage in God healing us. So a good kind of result of that, or a good example of that, is the bitterness and even depression that can come from unforgiveness when we hold on to things inside us and that can begin to hurt us and bring blockages as well. And those things don't always come from unforgiveness, like I say, but it can can be the case. So those are some of the reasons, I think, why, why God doesn't heal. But really what I want to do this morning is... Oh, this afternoon <laughs> did so well... <laughs> I probably got a stomach. <laughs> Are you keeping account, Steve? <laughs> I'm just happy I'm not the only one. <laughs> I've probably done loads more as well, but I've just not noticed. And so I want to focus more on the fact that God heals us this afternoon. God heals us because he loves us. God heals us because he's full of compassion. And God heals us because it brings glory to his name. We often miss out on this, I think, because we don't even ask him. God's kingdom is here now amongst us. He's paid the price already for this sickness. He's taken the punishment upon himself. He's defeated death by rising again. And he calls us to pray this prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just Christians who are waiting for that day of perfection, for that day when Jesus returns, but rather we should be And we are a people who are expectant of God to work today amongst us in our own lives and in the lives of those people on the streets as well. As I said, there's grace in this as well. The first Alpha course that I had the pleasure of leading, I didn't really know what I was doing. And we basically, we got to the section where we were looking at at God healing people. And I kind of read in the training manual that it said, you should pray as a kind of group of helpers before you do the session for words of knowledge. And then you should expect basically God to heal the people with those words of knowledge. So we did this praying and I kind of felt God say, bad back, bad back. And I thought, oh, that's so lame. That's so general. That's just, that's just me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with that. I'm not going to mention that to the other helpers. So we get to the end of the section and I kind of at least pick up the boldness to say, can I pray for anyone? Is there anyone? who has something they'd like prayed for. And one of the girls who wasn't a Christian on the course said, yeah, I've got a bad back. And I just thought, oh, you idiot. (laughs) But God still had grace at that point, and he still healed her remarkably. And she came back next week onto the course with the story of how God had healed her back, despite my lack of faith and my lack of boldness. Like I say, I think God is such a, a graceful God that we can have faith that as we come and approach him, even though things aren't perfect in our lives, he still loves us. He still has this compassion for us. So you can't really end a, 
a talk like this without asking if there's anyone who would like prayer. Um, Steve, you, do you want to come up and, and pray for people as well? Um, yeah, so if you've got anything you'd like prayer for, it would be great to pray for you now. One thing, Hannah and I did have a, a quick prayer beforehand, and one thing that she did feel God saying to her was that um, God wanted to set someone free from recurring headaches. So if that is something that anyone does experience, then that's something I'd love to pray for. But this is really kind of wide and open, and, and anyone who has got anything they would like us to pray for, then that would be great.